Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision making. Hello to everyone and once again a very warm welcome to Beyond Governance at High 101.9. Your audience uh, is highly appreciated. This is your host Imran Mbele and I'm once again delighted to share this space and time with you uh, as we delve into critical issues that uh, challenge both the public and private sector. If you missed any of our previous show, not to worry, simply download the, uh, download the podcast uh, and uh, share your thoughts, uh, which perhaps maybe you might find them intriguing in terms of the conversations that you've had. Last week, we had a very interesting and insightful conversation with Ami Asfou, who is the president of African Business Council, and So Monobi, who is the chief executive at Brand Hill Africa. The conversation was quite stimulating in so many ways as we were unpacking the African continent agreement, which has just taken off. Uh, moving forward, uh, today we are talking about the notion of productivity as uh, productivity is a very vital, it's very vital for development in any business, let alone the country, for it helps to improve the standard and quality of, of, of lives. I would encourage you to join the chorus or the voice of dissent by looking at the content and the quality of some of the conversations that we've had in the past. As I said earlier, do go to the website and download previous podcasts and share your views via SMS line, WhatsApp, or my Twitter handle. The SMS line is 34519. And making sense of the very complicated issues that I've already alluded to, which in my view cuts across both private and public sector organization. I'm joined by Cesar Njigalana, who is an executive at Miserati Center for Capacity Building. He's also a seasoned administrator who has seen it all in the public sector. Over and above that, we're also joined by Ben Mazwai, who is an expert in productivity matters. The purpose of our conversation today centers around what are those critical variables you need to attend to, appreciate from the private sector, and the extent to which these can find expression or modified in the public sector. For an example, let's look at organizational culture, the extent to which it contributes towards productivity. Let's look at motivation, the extent to which it contributes towards productivity. Let's look at what are the barriers to change, which may or may not contribute towards productivity in the public sector. The idea in a nutshell is to identify and import, or perhaps maybe influence the thinking about the best practices from the private sector that can be emulated in the public sector. Without any waste of time, let me welcome the gentleman that I've alluded to, Bob Caesar, as well as Babu Mazwi. You are welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh... Tambele and uh, greet all the listeners and uh, let me express my gratitude for being given this opportunity to share my views and experiences regarding uh, public sector productivity. Just one small thing, I have been motivated by my trials as a councillor in Johannesburg uh, in the late 90s and uh, also 10 years as member of parliament so people i hope they will not fool me as a public servant per se or a former public servant more in the legislator side thank you very much thank you very much uh, dr mbele and as it's been mentioned i mean uh, i think uh, this topic uh, it's one of the most imp- important topics to be addressed at this point in time of our democracy and of our economy and the post COVID-19 that we have just experienced. For me, I mean, I've got more than 25 uh, to 30 years experience. Uh, I think uh, most of that uh, experience comes from uh, manufacturing in private sector. 
And then I've got about 11 years of working for a public state-owned company, whereby there as well I was driving, I mean, the importance of productivity for manufacturing SMEs and SMEs in South Africa in various sectors. So I've worked in automotive, I mean, with foundries, with, I mean, tool and die companies. So that's the type of experience that I've got. But I think to say we need to look at this now beyond governance, I'm looking forward to the discussion because there's too much focus now just only on governance than productivity. Thank you. Thank you very much for, for that interesting introduction, which is quite laudable in so many ways. Before we proceed, we're going to just take a quick break and come back just in a second to really sink our teeth on those critical issues. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back uh, to Beyond Governance. We're now moving along with STEAM with my guest here, Susan Jigalana, who is an executive and a seasoned administrator in both public and private sector organization, who's also joined by Tubazi Ben Mazui, an expert in his own right. You have uh, alluded to a very extensive uh, experience of pedigree in the productivity uh, sector. So it doesn't get better than this. We've got, in my view, uh, colleagues that are well-vested and well knowledgeable about productivity issues in both private and public sector organizations. This will certainly make an intriguing or interesting conversation as we probe deeper and deeper on what exactly needs to be done differently to get to a point where the public sector is perceived to be productive. Gentlemen, in terms of setting the scene, one of the issues that we have picked up through the AG for an example, and through a business unit in South Africa. The AG's report for 2019-20 financial year has revealed staggering statistics of low productivity, which find expression or manifested in qualification, non-disclaimers, and so on and so forth. The other point of reference in setting the scene has to be the report commissioned by the Business Unity of South Africa on the size and cost of the public sector, which, amongst others, it found out that this, our salary bill is sitting at three, 630 billion rands, which is higher than the global norms as a percentage of the GDP. So these two very broad examples can be used to understand the notion of productivity. First and foremost, I want to ask a question to uh, Ben. How deep is the cut based on this example that I've just put forward? How big is the productivity gap or gap or deficit in the public sector? Responding, I mean, in particular with the public sector, I do not even think that there is a measurement that has been used beside the studies that have been done that is uh, available for South Africa for productivity for public sector. Normally, the productivity that is normally done includes a, a private sector as well, the productivity index. So for me, I mean, that one, we don't even need to go to reports. I mean, we need just to check, I mean, on our various public sector uh, entities that we know of, I mean, within the country and the type of services and uh, I mean uh, the number of, uh, of, uh, of civil unrest and protests that we're getting because of there's no delivery. So it becomes a, a true I mean, a confirmation that uh, the issue of productivity and efficiency is a big issue in South Africa from a public sector point of view. We can mention a number of uh, departments that we can talk into. We can talk to our courts, the number of outstanding cases, we can talk to our policing service, the police, I mean, the availability of police, the hospitals, which it becomes a very, very sad situation. The number of 
a time people spend queuing for services at hospitals. And I can go on and on. I mean, uh, talking about the social grants as well. I mean, all of those services, all what we see and what we see people unhappy about, it talks into lack of productivity and efficiency in delivering what needs to be delivered to the public. Well, thank you very much. I think you, you hit it on a nail um, by re making reference to very so uh, incidents that we, which have become a norm in the country, uh, the civil unrest. Very interesting uh, observation on the POTS, very interesting observation on the police services, the hospitals, and so on and so forth. Um, let me just bring in uh, Babu Caesar in terms of your own understanding on how deep is the cut. As I have said, for all my sins, the motivation and the propellant into productivity as a concept and productivity management as one of the premier management functions. It was my three years as a councillor and my 10 years as a member of parliament. When I observed underperformance in those two worlds at a local government, which was the, the Jobek Metro from 95 to 98, and uh, being in Parliament from 2004 to 2014. And when I got exposed to productivity it's from 2016, I began to realize that how painful it was for me to have missed to use or to have campaigned for use, usage of this uh, tool. Because I remember pretty well how business was used to complain bitterly about backlogs in getting their applications for rezoning land use consent and other regulatory compliance uh, approvals by the municipality. And of course, when it comes to parliament receiving reports from various uh, departments, I'm sure Babangumbuzi has already indicated, you know, the various areas where there's been this unfortunate uh, poor performance in, 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 I mean, you would get uh, in certain areas very unacceptable underutilization of budget at times, overutilization of budget and at times questionable quality of work that has been done by whichever department. You know, the story goes on, but I, I won't dwell much on that because it has already been highlighted. But that has been the propellant and uh, even you know, up to now, one can still strongly sense that uh, the Miaga resources, the restrained budget that we have, can actually be improved its utilization and uh, deployment where we can maximize efficiency and effectiveness. With me today, I've got Cesar Njigalana, who is an executive at Majority Center for Capacity Building, who's also joined by uh, Uben Mazri, uh, who's an expert. Uh, in productivity matters. Uh, before we went to the break, we got a very good insight from both colleagues more broadly on their sense of typical in government institutions that are riddled with inefficiencies, which runs into billions of rents. Now that we, we have pretty much understood or have a sense of how big the cut is, the next you know, logical question, what is it that should be done differently, firstly, to sensitize and promote productivity mindset in the public sector. Ungobaz, your take on it. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Mbele. I mean, th that is a very important question. I'll always go back to our topic today, because our topic today, we're talking about beyond uh, 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 governance. So we'll see many institutions now showing, I mean, a, a good uh, achievement when it comes to the uh, to the uh, clean audits and, and audit results and all of that, which is good governance, which is necessary. But the problem is that that doesn't deliver the work that needs to be done. 
So in order to achieve that now, it becomes very important uh, that I mean, uh, the mindset and the thinking of the people, it gets changed. When uh, we get to a gear of being process orientated, we get a, a, to a mind of uh, doing things differently than we're doing it before. So in order to achieve this, um, it always starts from the top. It needs to start with leadership. So the leadership must be committed on doing, I mean, uh, productivity activities that may include Kaizen, uh, learning by doing, some training that gets done to the employees to continuously improve what they are doing, which will lead into job enrichment and fulfillment for the employees and challenge the employees to do things better. Where it starts, I mean, what needs to be done then to change the mindset of the people, it starts from the top. That we must have leaders now that are going to say they want to see that are on the ground as well, that are very hands-on. We've seen, I mean, there's a couple of them. We've seen those things happening before in South Africa. It's not something that is impossible. That will lead change, lead productivity, lead programs like uh, lean manufacturing, uh, world-class manufacturing, processes optimization, focusing on customer and whatever that is being done, what has been done by private sector in various ways. So that is what for me, I would say it, it becomes very important. And then in order to do that, it becomes important that you build capacity. That means you train people on, in the public sector to understand what is productivity. When we talk about these inputs, that must uh, end up become outputs. The outputs must be more than the inputs. But we all know now, currently, as we speak, we've got a lot of inputs that we put in, and the output is very, very low, which causes a lot of, I mean, uh, dissatisfaction and uh, in, I mean, fighting, I mean, within the, the within the public in terms of uh, the services that are required. And then the other one, if this thing, this training is done correctly, it becomes important that I mean. Uh, we change from, uh, I mean, uh, the traditional way of doing things and we start doing what is called Kaizen, which is a Japanese philosophy and, and system that's saying learn by doing, go and check what is happening there on the ground and make sure that you make continuous small improvements all the time that at the end of the day will add up into huge achievements in terms of what needs to be done. So for me, that's what I will mention at this point in time. Thank you. No, thanks for that insight. You raised a very uh, number of interesting um, pillars which ordinarily needs to be taken into account for the employees to to be more productive. I'm mm. going to pause there and bring Ubabu Caesar because your articulation is underpinned by a whole lot of assumptions. Uh, for an example, you're saying to us, it starts with leadership, granted, and you talk about the need for capacity building of programs, granted. But Bob Caesar, the issues that, but you know, Mr. Mauzi is pointing, have been done in the public sector and are being done in the public sector. What would you say is the difference? Let me start by just prefacing a few things. Even our very Department of Public Services and uh, Administration does have a directorate on public service productivity studies. And uh, it's in its statements, the department acknowledges the vitality of uh, productivity, that is public service productivity in particular. But however, you know, between the statements and uh, what is on the ground, I suppose uh, there's still a large gap and also there's to what one can say, room for development. As far back as 2016, there was a tool that was commissioned by the very department on behalf of the government. It was called Operations Management Framework, which is a, a management tool that improves effectiveness and efficiency towards better delivery of services. And one of the pillars or anchors 
of that uh, framework was uh, productivity improvement. Uh, one has been trying to get to grips as to the extent of implementation of that uh, you know, framework within the public service. Unfortunately, very little information is obtainable around that. In fact, even yesterday, I was trying just to delve into the website of the department to see what I can get and share here, but uh, nothing was forthcoming. And the other weakness is that uh, this operations management framework doesn't extend to the local government, whilst at the same time we have government vision of having a single integrated public service uh, into the future, which then I would have, I would have assumed that you know, things like uh, the operations management framework, which anchors, amongst other things, productivity, would have extended to uh, the local government. I suppose one is trying to say there needs to be a buy-in. There's evidence that it's lacking from the leadership in various forms, the political leadership, the administrative leadership, and I would even dare say to other levels of management within the public sector, because as we know that uh, the public sector is a major employer and in many countries is actually the largest single employer. So uh, bureaucracy brings to the fore and into daily practice, you know, a lot of inefficiency and ineffectiveness. But then it becomes a factor of life, except that if leadership is firm about uh, bringing in various solutions and amongst them productivity solutions, then there is global evidence that shows that there are changes. So unfortunately in South Africa, whilst there is awareness the awareness is low. I cannot vouch as to what extent, but at least what's anecdotal in front of my eyes is that uh, when you talk to people, very few would understand and grapple with what productivity is. And uh, even in the private sector, but there is a better responsiveness when you explain it. And there are a few more people that understand it in the in the private sector. So in a sense, uh, the, the to me, is the willingness to look for solutions, thinking out of the box, that I uh, would uh, frankly maintain that uh, becomes the negative effect to utilizing productivity as one of the tools that would improve uh, public service delivery as a whole. We want to take a break. We'll be back just in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Perhaps maybe just going a bit deeper and reflecting on the impact of COVID-19 insofar as changing the landscape the, you know, of delivery. Surely, by now, the public sector has done exceptionally well in some instances where people work from home and it doesn't necessarily mean that the productivity was low. The productivity in some instances appear to have to have improved, which goes back to the point that I've raised earlier about mindsets. I bet if it had not been on COVID, had it not been of COVID, most people would not have seen or appreciate the need to work from home or to use other delivery model, as in you know online and so on and so forth. This obviously is an opportunity, which leadership. It's going to go back to leadership, which leadership needs to leverage on to ensure that we propel the delivery of the public service 
using the insights, the experiences, the lessons learned during the pandemic. To what extent do you think, Babmazi, the COVID-19 is shaping the mindsets of the leaders across the public sector, not only in the private sector, not only in the public sector, but also in the private sector, for them to address some of the salient issues that you have alluded to. Your take, please. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Mbele. I want just to go one step back into your question, just to emphasize a point I highlighted on leadership and commitment that is required for productivity. When I refer to that, which is going to lead into the question that you are asking, when we talk about leadership, there's leadership, there's current what I will call general leadership. For example, in private sector as well, many companies that are in South Africa that are successful now, uh, that some of them I can even mention by name, they had leadership. So there's been always leadership. I think that's what you were alluding into. But now within leadership, you, there must be a component of productivity that gets added, included within the leadership that is done. So now we are saying it's not just leadership. We want to bring in productivity. And productivity is a very broad name. That means how things are done, it's changed. There must be innovation. There must be new technology that is taken advantage of, which leads to the question that you were asking now about uh, what did we learn through COVID? Through COVID, what we did learn is that um, I can have an interview with Dr. Mbele without going, I mean, uh, to the high FM station and become successful. That is productivity because we can do that now through technology. And then there's technology that has been lying idle as well, not used properly. That technology now will become masters of MS teams. These things have been there, not that they were not there. But because of a situation, it forced us and created it and pushed us to be more productive on how we do things. So when we talk about productivity and creating capacity, I'm not talking about capacity to deliver things. I'm talking about capacity to be capable to have productivity units within the public sector. A classical example, if you go to SARS, SARS, I mean, the South African Revenue Services, the reason why it's so successful on how they applied it, they went for innovation first. Their leadership became convinced that we need to change on how we're doing things. We need to bring productivity into the organization. We need to set up a unit within SARS that is going to have industrial engineers and focus on productivity, on how we do things. And then in doing so, we must have money to make sure that there must be funds to make sure that we'll bring the necessary technology that will be capable to assist productivity. This is what we have witnessed during, I mean, COVID-19, is that companies had to make sure that their technology that they've got, whether it was idle or not there, it's brought into in and then so that people can operate wherever where they are in the name of increasing productivity. And then so what I was talking about now, if we talk about a certain public entity, the issues that the leadership on top must not just saying we're leadership and do things the same way they've been doing. They must have people closer to them that are going to help them to drive productivity and set up people within those units will drive productivity that will be trained and there will be investment on them at the end of the day for the better benefit of the whole uh, public uh, department in terms of benefit. So that's what I was alluding into Dr. Mbele when I was talking about. So COVID-19 assisted us to expedite that process of understanding what is productivity. There are a number of points that I think they're quite useful for us to perhaps maybe pull them even further. But before I proceed, I want to go back to Bob Caesar yeah. on the question of leadership, which keeps on coming uh, over and over again. I mean, at SARS, the example that you're making at SARS is a very good example, classical example. You might add SARS, you might also include 
the Department of Home Affairs at some point. So these are government departments that enhances productivity through innovations purely because they had solid leadership in my view. What goes into a solid leadership? What sort of template or characteristic features of what could be defined as solid leadership? Because that's where it starts. And Babu Caesar, you having been in parliament and as a councillor, to what extent do you think, first give us a sense of the template, what goes into leadership, which is lacking or characteristics of leadership that is lacking, which we can build on to ensure that we emulate our own SARS, our own Department of Home Affairs and a number of public sector organizations that are quite efficient. For example, Airport South Africa is one of the most efficient and ineffective uh, state-owned entities. Surely we, are, we have not run out or we're not running out of good practices. It is just a matter of massifying the template of good leadership. What is missing in that template, Bob Caesar? Let me start by just alluding to something very interesting from African Union, you know, in Addis. I picked up a document there that uh, highlighted something very striking that uh, productivity is not just a technical concept, it's a social concept. It demands change of attitude, change of mind. Just want to throw that in so that it, we keep it at the back of our minds. However, if you look at the South African context in particular, transformation is supposed to be our beacon of light as far as I'm concerned. Any leader at whatever level broadly should be guided by our transformation agenda, which of course I will not articulate in any ways. Amongst other things is within transformation is to look uh, and uh, be committed to what Brunkumbuzi uh, would call Kaizen. That is, in whatever I've done and achieved today, let me make sure that I improve tomorrow. That starts with the leaders themselves. Leaders must lead by example. So the template, I hope I'm filling in a few points. We are listening to uh, Nimrod. You know, it's not just to say I'll go around, uh, preach the, the transformation agenda, but also I will uh, do so and conduct myself leading by example, being diligent, being self-critical, being ensuring, uh, you know, various things like uh, ensuring teamwork, uh, integrity, as we can see, the unfortunate leprotic uh, situation these days is that we are riddled with fraud and corruption and the worst part of it is note, that... On that note, Bob Caesar, can you just hold there a very, very poignant point? We're going to take a break. We'll be back just in a second. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. My name is Nimrat Mbele and I'm joined by Babu Caesar Njigelana as well as Gubazi Mazwazri, who is an expert in productivity matters. We are sinking our teeth on the very complex notion of productivity as it relates to public sector. We are aware of some of the big gaps that are happening. Colleagues have put it to bear issues such as uh, civil unrest, the inefficiencies in court, inefficiencies in public services inefficiencies in hospital and so on and so forth. And these issues have been trust by the report commissioned by BUSA, which indicates that salary bill is among the highest and yet there is no return on investment or the returns on investment do not justify the, the size of the bill. And I suppose nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with the size, it's just a matter of, of 
the efficiency and effectiveness. Uh, coming back to you, Babushita, before we took that break, you raised a very important point around ethical behavior, which perhaps maybe you can just take a bit, bit further in the context of reports that we've received from or that this, the society or the countries received from the Zondo Commission. I think that corroborates uh, what I'm saying, although I, I'll be quick to qualify it. I wish the Zondo Commission could have gone far deeper. Uh, I really personally grumble that it didn't go deep enough, but it has done some impact. It has exposed what I'm saying. I mean, not just to have from the Treasury and uh, SARS the billions that are lost, you know, through tax avoidance or through corruption in government procurement, but to show how we have uh, been, you know, unfortunately uh, having a retarded uh, or a deteriorating, you know, quality of services and amongst other things because of the, the corrupt behavior. And uh, I think uh, one of the things that uh, a certain, you know, expert on product, public sector productivity, Professor Magdalene Mendoza in Philippines highlights is that she says one of the anchors of productivity is to do right when nobody sees you and anchors around ethics there. She says that's where you can start ensuring that, uh, you know, if public servants, you know, take that direction, commit themselves further and deeper, then we can take a better look at a road towards uh, less corruption, not 100% out, but at least reduction of corruption. One can look at it from different ways, and uh, one can even pick up examples, which at the end of the day, linking with topic, if productivity tools get applied more vigorously, intensively, and with uh, the appropriate commitment, they would be able to uncover the corruptive uh, behavior or just the corruption that is taking place, whether it's in terms of tenders that uh, are approved in dubious ways and those which are able to go through. Because as far as I'm concerned, yes, we have been we have witnessed a couple of tenders being reversed because the irregularities have discovered. But I would dare say some of them are able to slip through. And uh, it is on that basis, I feel that uh, the topic of the day, the experts who might be listening who may come later would, uh, you know, corroborate the fact that uh, we need, you know, to ensure the implementation of uh, productivity tools one of the arsenal you know rebut and wage a battle against corruption no no thank you very much i mean um, what i'm taking from both of you is the need to elevate productivity structurally um, we need to have a unit within organizations that drives productivity you almost like a c-suite uh, because you've got a chief risk officer a chief investment officer so what you're saying is we organization needs to deliberately elevate the stature of productivity by having a unit that investigate inefficiencies and bring about suggestions on how best to improve the systems, how to train people and so on. Is that where we're going? Am I correct to summarize the thinking along that along those ways? Number one. Quite a vast number of countries throughout the world have the productivity units located in the office of the head of state, whether it's a president or prime minister. And there is a reason for that. And unfortunately, Productivity SA in South Africa is still, unfortunately, within a department. As we know, you know, in the public service, 
sometimes that comes with uh, some weaknesses and compromising, you know, practices and attitudes from other departments. But the other thing I would like to highlight, just to strengthen what you're saying, you know, we all know there's uh, financial accounting, you know, audited financial statements at the end of the year that show how much money was used when it was, whether it was uh, used uh, in full or there's underspending, overspending and things. However, just in support of productivity, if productivity audit diagnostics were to be included, it would actually go deeper because it wouldn't just say, okay, you have used, you know, 449 million out of 500 million. It will say, how have you used that 449 million? To what extent were you efficient? Wouldn't you have been able to use that very amount and have better results or higher volumes, whether it was the Department of Human Settlements building uh, more houses, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, Department of Health uh, having to be able to, you know, ensure that uh, its healthcare clinics, its uh, hospitals have performed data, people are able to have reduced shoes I, I, and I, to go back I, home. Unfortunately, I know you, this is quite interesting. We, let's take a final break and before we wrap up, before we wrap up, I want to just bring in, you know, Ben here to really give us insights on a very pertinent point that you've brought in. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Uh, this is Beyond Governance at High FM. My name is Nimrod Mbele. It's amazing how time flies when you really have an interesting conversation. So, you know, Babu Sisa and Jigalala is my guest, as well as, uh, you know, Ben Mazri are very deep and detailed in, in really unpacking this very complex and complicated phenomenon. As we proceed uh, in the way of trying to wrap up, Ben, your final thinking around, firstly, the, the issue of elevation, elevating, we take it. What else, based on what Bob Caesar had articulated, should be a concern or should be, done, should, should be dealt with differently? Thank you, Dr. Mbele. I think uh, your statement that you made uh, prior to asking uh, the question that uh, Mr. Jigalana responded into was very accurate on how you said how we need to have units within, I mean, uh, public uh, departments capacitated to do productivity. And uh, we took an example about what has happened at SARS. I agree with all what you have said in there. The most important thing for me that needs to be looked at, just going back to what Mr. Njigalana said, it's the issue of uh, where is this located, this productivity drive. It must be located for me, in my view as well, at the presidency. And whereby it becomes this department that drives this productivity, I mean, uh, through all the, the, the government departments. There could be, I mean, uh, decentralization on various departments, but it must be driven at a higher level. How does that happen? There was a question you asked earlier on. If there's no knowledge of productivity at the level of the leadership that becomes a problem. So the key issue is to make sure that the leadership, the senior leadership, including the president, I mean, the, the DGs, the ministers and all of that, there's a fair executive training or understanding that has been put to them to understand what is productivity in its simplest form so that they will be capable to be committed to drive this productivity. Absolutely, in South Africa, a number of companies, I mean, that have become successful in manufacturing and private sector, it's the leaders who understood what is productivity and took advantage of that and made made use of it to make uh, their their companies very successful. Unfortunately, Ben Marzi, we're gonna yeah. leave it there, and I can I can feel the passion and real zeal on this very important topic. 
uh, we have run out of time. We want to have a little bit there. Uh, the final shot or the final cutting shot on the side of uh, Babsi and Jigalana on this very complex and interesting conversation that we're having. I can reveal that uh, interview has been prompted uh, originally by the need to have more and more South Africans proving or just getting aware of productivity as a concept and productivity management is one of the premier tools that could improve any enterprise, whether private or public. In this instance, since it's public sector, my appeal to public servants, my appeal to the both administrative and political leadership is to start uh, stimulating themselves and make efforts to know more about productivity. Thank you very much. Uh, there we go. Thank you very much, colleagues, for uh, a very interesting and insightful uh, thoughts, wisdom based on your experiences. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you. I certainly believe the listener have had food for thought on these issues that you've brought forth. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you to the all who have been listening uh, for giving us uh, their time. And hopefully in future we'll be having uh, responses from them one way or another. Thank you very much for this important uh, discussion. Uh, I mean, uh, these discussions need to be taken further and the topic as well, I mean, fit for the purpose. Thank you. I couldn't agree with Thank you very much that we'll certainly have a follow-up con uh, conversation for the idea of productivity as a concept and as a tool has not entrenched and is not uh, occupying strategic positions uh, in government. Unfortunately, like I said, we're going to have, have to leave it here. Uh, there you are. That was uh, insights and uh, experience and, and uh, critical thinking that was shared by Cesar Njigelana, who is an executive at Maserati Center for Capacity Building, joined by Ben Marzui, who is an expert in product in productivity matters. Colleagues, we're going to have to leave it here until we do it again. And uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. Shalom. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making.